You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 287th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 941st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April 20th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Well, this wasn't exactly the week IU fans were hoping for. With plenty of optimism in the air about Chris Ledlam's recruitment ever since his official visit, many IU fans were stunned and disappointed when Ledlam ended up committing to Tennessee, me included. I mean, it's not like an IU athletic program has ever lost a commanding lead late in a competition with Tennessee before, right? Anyway, securing Ledlam's two-way production and intangibles for next season was supposed to be this week's banner moment. That it didn't come to pass certainly makes for a bit more somber gathering this week. And while Indiana struggles to get proven wings in the fold is a concern, it's important to remember that all is not lost simply because the number 53-ranked player in the portal decided to play elsewhere. It's easy to forget that Indiana has already secured the, uh, the signed commitment of the portal's number two player, center Kalel Ware, who will step into the massive void left by Trace Jackson Davis's departure. So let's indulge our disappointment in Ledlam's decision and try to figure out where IU goes next on the wing. But it's silly to pretend like this portal season has been anything close to a failure yet for IU. It's already yielded some positive results, and now the staff will have to pivot quickly to ensure more positive results follow, but with a lot of value to dangle in front of its future targets. Which makes the real banner moment for this week basically each time a new name pings in the transfer portal, which remains open until mid-May. And there has been chatter in several places about some good players who could still enter, with fewer big dogs sniffing around those new entrants as commitments are made and options dry up. It's not an ideal spot to be in for IU, which would have much rather landed Ledlam and gotten someone like Dalton Connect on campus, but it is at least some reason to remain calm, stay patient, and let the entire recruiting period play out. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Folks, Ryan is off this week. Uh, he was going to be here, but he's very distraught over losing his blue check mark on Twitter. It's been a rough day for Ryan. Please hold a warm thought in your head uh, during this very difficult time as he tries to adjust to just being a normal Twitter peasant like the rest of us. But here with me to my left, he is the Rick Barnes of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and a renowned bracketologist with enough self-respect to not publish way too early brackets in April. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first-class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. That's right. 
Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I mean, like you said, not really a, a lot of uh, news, at least not of the, the positive variety. So uh, move on and move to other targets in the portal, but certainly a lot of offseason left. I think we talked about this a little bit with with the Peyton Sparks commitment. That one came fast and it wasn't they're, they're not done. This isn't uh, this isn't the end. Don't feel uh, like this isn't what you hoped it would be. And I think the same thing can hold true now. You, you In this case, you didn't get somebody who a lot of fans had. Uh, gotten attached to apparently and over the course of a few weeks since learning uh, that he was a, a live human and uh, and so now you move on to to somebody else or certainly holds to fill in the roster but I think uh, just a lot of offseason left they're not done um, certainly the, the the player pool while still large uh, has dwindled a little bit at the top but uh, I still think there be some opportunities out there for uh, guys to come in still opportunities for other guys to get in the portal that aren't even available right now. So um, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of off season left to left to play out. And, and so we'll see, I think everybody knows there's certain holes on the roster that need to get filled. And uh, while it wasn't some of the guys that had uh, come into the, the collective IU consciousness over the last couple of weeks, it'll, it'll be somebody else. And uh, you never know. Sometimes the guys that you don't get work, work out to be there turns out something better. Uh, is out there that maybe is a better fit or something else. So uh, just kind of stay the course and see what happens next. All right. And to my right, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology and Hoosier Nation's most famous porch dancer. Shavito! He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. It is Tonsoni time. What is on your mind, coach? Well, you know, this week's just an example where it's best just to wait till the recruits are all signed and the, the roster is somewhat finalized and then go dive in to try to be excited or or disappointed or whatever. But the up and down nature of the portal is is hitting uh, all of the places that we consume Indiana news, uh, we hear of a Zoom call, we rush to watch the videos, we fall in love with him because he's connected with Indiana, then we're disappointed if he if he doesn't come, and just rinse and repeat. Uh, it's it's tough to be patient uh, in this day of, of news and information, and, and so you, you battle that. But the biggest concern is that Indiana really wanted this guy and they didn't get him. Um, but also Rick Pitino didn't get him at St. John's. So, you know, everyone calling for Woody's head and all this kind of stuff is absolutely ridiculous for me because, you know, uh, there's only one winner. Uh, and these guys are really the, the best players in the portal are really, uh, you know, targeted by a lot of good schools and, and a lot of good schools, uh, end up being told no by the, by the recruit. We, we, I think we just need to try to remember that, uh, you do, you are concerned with, you know, we've gotten two bigs and not any shooting and wings. That is a legitimate concern for those people who are, who are on that side. And then the other thing I'm, I'm going to trans transfer my thoughts over to, uh, you know, if, if you're in around Bloomington, go check out the, the, softball team uh you know the uh the baseball team the spring sports at, at indiana beautiful to be on campus uh at these events but boy uh baseball uh, is in the discussion to be hosting a, a regional after you know the covid situation really set them back and softball uh has lost a few recently but went on a long winning streak uh so good facilities a lot of fun good people uh to to sit next to and talk uh 
at those games. So, you know, the, the IU sports spectrum uh, is not all a struggle because the portal's not there. There's some positive uh, things. There's some, there's just uh, coach Mercer is doing a fantastic job. So make sure you go find some positives with Indiana athletics while we're waiting this portal situation. Man, after Coach got so much airtime on BTN uh, the other night at the Illinois <laughs> yeah, game, really, I mean, thanks for thanks for still showing up, Coach. We really we really appreciate it. You're and, welcome. Uh, You're and then welcome. you got Little Five coming up. Whoever the next guy is up on the list in the portal are, you better get those guys the hell to Bloomington here in the next 24 no hours. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, the baseball team's great. Gosh, if we can just get our football and basketball teams rolling here, we're, our athletic department will be pretty darn good. Um, all right. Here's what we have in store this week. We've got a few uh, Hoosier headlines, but we're going to spend the majority of our time in segment two talking about the many angles uh, of Chris Ledlam's decision and kind of what comes next for Indiana in the portal. Uh, and then we got several really good questions in the mailbag, and so we will hit those at the end. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to that, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, yes, the fine folks at Homefield Apparel, uh, who I guess now that the season's over, uh, you know, this was their second season of sponsoring the Back Home Network. I guess now this is going to end up being their seventh season uh, of sponsoring the Assembly Call. Been with us for a long time, uh, and we really appreciate them as our sponsors uh, and just what they do as a business and what they do serving not only the Indiana fan base, but college sports fan bases all over the place. And one of the things you're noticing about them is they are going on the road more. So I think last week they were in Georgia for the spring game. Uh, this weekend they are going to be in Bloomington for Little Five. Uh, I didn't see exactly where. Check on Twitter because they'll be posting up. You can buy shirts and gear uh, at a discount when you go see them. And, I mean, you want to get stuff, whether you want to get a T-shirt for the summer upcoming, whether you want to stock up on stuff for the winter, crewnecks and hoodies and all that stuff, whether you're buying gifts. I mean, Homefield Apparel really is kind of a one-stop shop because there's stuff there for anybody who's an Indiana sports fan. And they have 140, 150 different schools with great vintage logos that they've pulled out of the archives and breathed new life into. They print them on comfortable materials that last through many washings. And you're supporting a great company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. They employ a lot of folks in Indianapolis. Um, they do great work. They have a great personality and have fun with it, too. Uh, so just a lot going uh, for our friends at Homefield Apparel. Make sure you check them out, homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your first order. That's homefieldapparel.com. Promo code HOME for 15% off your first order. Wear one for the team. All right, gentlemen, uh, a few headlines to go through. Um, one, uh, you know, in terms of Big Ten news, uh, really the biggest item was Zach Eady uh, announcing that he is going to be testing the NBA draft waters but maintaining his college eligibility. Uh, Coach, I don't know if you're hearing anything up there in your neck of the woods. It seems like the general expectation is that he'll be back because I think most people feel like the NBA feedback he's going to get isn't great. Um, you know, and I think they're going to figure out, you know, kind of an NIL situation uh, with him up there at Purdue. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously, that is the biggest uh, literally and figuratively domino uh, that needs to fall in terms of the Big Ten. Um so any thoughts on uh, on Zach Eady's decision, if you're hearing anything other than the consensus, which is that he'll probably be back? No, I stay away from that campus as much as possible. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't try to eavesdrop on stuff. No, I, the, the interesting thing is with this NIL, which it seems like there are no rules on contacting players or what you pay or who pays or whatever anymore. 
that there is something with uh, – I think he has foreign residency from Canada, and yep. there's some hang-ups with that, just like the young man, the Shreveway at Kentucky. Um, so, and so, and, and so they planned some... an event in the Bahamas so that he could do NIL Right, sort of right. Yeah. So it's not just so easy as finding someone in this area to – to you know, or or a donor from the states to do that, they they probably have to work around some way for him to. I don't know if it's a visa thing or whatever. I have no clue on that. I just know that that has been said. So that'll be interesting. Um, and then it's interesting on on how he is going to be uh, judged. You know, ten fifteen years ago, he's a top five pick easily when it was you know heavy center. Uh, oriented now you you wonder if he's going to get picked because the game has just gone so positionless and and face up game uh you know do they want a roster spot and pay money for someone who has you know a limited array of 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 you know options for play so i haven't heard anything i, I you know he, he is a purdue guy so i'm not I, I hope he doesn't come back uh but i just wish the best uh best for the young man I, you feel for him a little bit because uh, he's just a victim of his time. Yeah, yeah. There, there was some good discussion about the uh, the visa and that aspect. Uh, Norlander and Gary Parish talked about that on the Iron College basketball earlier in the week. They they talked a little bit about that and how it had, it had been an issue with Shibuya. I think uh, even Sonogo from UConn they talked about um, had some of those issues. It, it's one of those where you, you can really see it both ways. If they get the NIL situation figured out, you probably could make more can continue to stay there, break records, do some of those kinds right. of things. The, the From a basketball standpoint, I'm not sure what he can show when he comes back. Um, you know, I mean, is that, are they going to have him start like taking face-up jump shots? I, I sincerely doubt it, given how dominant he can be and where he can typically get post position inside. You know what I mean? Like th- those are things, there are things that he could show, but I'm not sure those things are in the best interest of, of them winning basketball games. So I, I think that's, that's the only thing that I would say now it, 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 a lot of times people talk about, Oh, you can poke, you know, that just gives you another year to poke holes in his game. I mean, the holes in his game are what they are. I'm just not sure he's going to, I'm not sure he's going to fix those. I'm not sure you're going to find new things that you think, Oh, well this, this doesn't, you know, isn't going to translate or whatever. I think, you know, the book is kind of written on him and it's really just a matter of, is there a team that thinks they can figure out a way to utilize him in the NBA and if that you know, if you've got a team or two who thinks they can do that, uh, I'm not sure that changes dramatically one year to the next. But the yeah. monetary the monetary component of a team giving you, hey, we're going to take you in the second round, might make it more compelling, especially if there's still hurdles to get over from an NIL standpoint. But yeah, I, I think expectation would be that he would be back based on where he's projected in drafts and things like that. So that's kind of the working assumption for me at this point, at least. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so interesting. That really is the big difference between he and Trace. You know, Trace came back and there were a lot of things for him to show and improve. Obviously, we never saw the jump shot, but, you know, being able to lead the fast break, being able to switch out onto the perimeter, being able to pass out on the post, like all the things that Trace added to his game, you know, that now has him as a late first round or early second round pick in every mock draft that you look at. And yeah, you don't really see that there for Edie. You know, it's not like he's going to start stepping out and taking jump shots or leading the pick and roll or anything. I mean, he's so just monstrously dominant at what he does. And he really is. And he's skilled and he's a good player. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, really what else there would be, um, you know, to show. But make a lot of money and try and avenge what happened last year in the tournament. We'll see if that's enough motivation uh, for him to come back. 
Other uh, Big Ten big news, Hunter Dickinson visiting Kentucky. Um, I think the only other Big Ten team I've seen linked to him is Maryland, uh, as we wish for all of these other big guys to get out of the conference, just go go, go somewhere else. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. You know, as far as Indiana goes with the portal, I know a lot of people have asked about Dalton Connect. Uh, you know, obviously that's a guy Indiana's talked to, they Zoomed with. The inability to get him on campus, uh, you know, really suggests that there's just nothing there. Um, and, you know, a lot of people asked me this on Twitter today. And I didn't get a chance to answer them. But, you know, the Tennessee insider uh, who initially posted that Ledlam was going to go to Tennessee when everybody was kind of surprised, also in that note, and I forget his name, so forgive me, um, he mentioned that Connect was kind of shutting down his visits and, you know, going to kind of end, you know, going out looking at new schools. So haven't heard anything else there, but I'm certainly not holding my breath on it, and I wouldn't advise anybody else to do it either. Really, with any of these, I mean, Coach, you kind of made this point. You know, you hear about a Zoom and you start watching film. I mean, really, until a guy gets on campus, it's not serious, you know? Um, and so you just need to remember that. Cormac Ryan is another guy. I think everybody, when led them, uh, said no. And, you know, the news about Connect, you know, continued to be kind of pessimistic. I think everybody turned their attention to Cormac Ryan. You know, Tony Adrania did a great thread about him. He committed to North Carolina today. Nick Timberlake committed to Kansas. So, Essentially, a lot of the top line, you know, guards and wings that Indiana was looking at, they're off the board. And so the Hoosiers are kind of starting fresh uh, from there. But that, you know, those are kind of the major portal uh, developments this week. Anything else stand out to you guys uh, this week in the world of college basketball before we dive into Chris Ludlam's decision and what that means for the Hoosiers? Not really for me. It sounds like Dickinson's talking with a lot of different people, so I don't know that it doesn't feel like a decision is imminent there, given the number of teams he's there. I guess he's from the D.C. area, which is why Maryland came up, which I don't think I knew, um, but heard heard that brought up. So uh, nothing really there. Haven't seen any other major Big Ten uh, comings or goings. It doesn't feel like. It's a lot of wait and see uh, out there, at least in terms of impact guys and um, – yeah, the the I think what we've seen with IU is they cast a relatively um, thin net as opposed to a wide net, and mm-hmm. it, it, we'll probably get into that a little bit in the next segment. I think there's arguments to be made on either side of that, and it's no different really with the portal than it is with recruiting. Do you go out and offer a ton of guy high school guys as you're going through, or do you really hone in on a few? Um, if you get a lot of hits on the guys that you really want to spend time on and you really focus on, everybody thinks that's a great strategy. If you don't, uh, then it's terrible because then you're playing catch up um, at that point. And I think you found that probably with Ryan, they really weren't super in on him as a, as a plan a, he was a plan B or a plan C. And by then he's too far down the road with somebody else. And um you're really having to do that. And I think that's what they're going to have to try to figure out now. If they're if whoever they've identified as the best remaining guys out there, you know, a lot of them, I was looking through the athletic last night. They haven't are not names that have typically been, that have been mentioned with IU to date. doesn't mean that you can't get back in it, but because they focus so much on a few guys, all of a sudden you're not getting a couple of those guys. I think that is a little bit of why people are, uh, are panicking a bit. And I don't know what the, I don't know that anybody, it, it's easy to say now that's not the right approach to this. Um, but that feels like hindsight, you know, telling you what to do. I think you, in some level, want to be confident that you can get the guys you really want. And so it's just a, a debate on recruiting philosophy, whether it be in, in high school or in the portal. Yeah. 
Well said, Andy. Yeah, I go, coach. I, I just the 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 multiple transfers are interesting to me. Uh, the team kids on their third, fourth, fifth schools. Um, I would like to see that tightened up. I'm all for kids having the opportunity to move. I think that's a good thing. But, um, you know, I, I think there are some things that the NCAA, if they can, if they even can legislate or can do it decently, need to tighten up a little bit of the NIL and a little bit of the transfer because it is just simply wild, wild west with, uh, you know, there's just there is no uh, tampering or whatever. I mean, people are calling people left and right. Your best friend's a head coach somewhere. You're t- trying to take his kids, and you're you're trying to make deals. And then state law is being passed all over the place. Colorado just passed a law that said the schools can now be directly involved in organizing NIL payments and and conditions. So you're going to see a variety of state laws uh, affecting uh, programs, and, and you know it's it's. Um, always happened we've we, we've discussed all of this but i do think <laughs> instead of just total woo out there go uh, I, i'd like to see it and maybe it will just settle down in a couple years as everyone gets a, a hold of this thing but it's you know someone in the chat just said look at the portal man i i went to the athletic i think andy you said you mentioned that in a tweet or or a text uh and just started looking at players and there's a lot of players and a lot of players that i don't know um, you know, six, seven wings that, that scored 11 points, uh, in college basketball. So there's some ability out there and it's up to the staff to, to go and get it. But I'd like to see that tightened up uh, a little bit here in the, in the near future. I think it will be. I mean, I think either it is going to be tightened up or what is seeming increasingly likely is there's probably going to end up being actual revenue sharing between the universities and the athletes, especially in the revenue sports. I don't know exactly what that will look like. But it seems like that's that's the inevitable outcome here. Now, whether that means that certain schools have to split away from D1 and do their own thing, I don't know exactly what that will look like. But from an Indiana perspective, it certainly thinks like that is what we are hurtling toward. Uh, and we'll just have to kind of make sense of the wild, wild west portal and <laughs> NIL situation uh, that we have right now, which is undeniably exciting and interesting. Uh but maybe not the healthiest thing for college sports fans. We should probably be taking a little bit of time off after a long season. And now we're just right back into, especially for IU, the ebbs and the flows of, hey, we got Khalil Ware. Oh, no, now we don't have anybody to start. And it's just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't leave you a whole lot of time to just kind of decompress from the season. So just follow the portal responsibly is, uh, is what I would say, which isn't always easy to do. Not always easy to do. Okay, Uh, coming up here on the assembly call, uh, guys, let's dive into Indiana's recent run of speed bumps in the transfer portal. What does it mean? How concerned are we? Is it time to panic? We'll talk about it. Stick with us here on the assembly call. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Well, hello there, everybody. Nice to see so many of you here live with us as we uh, as we dive into this. Always fun to be here with you guys. Kind of thought we'd have a little bit more exciting stuff to uh, to talk about. Entered this week, kind of planning out when's the emergency podcast going to happen. Is my, you know, what's my schedule looking like? And none of that stuff uh, really happened. So that's okay. And, you know, that's the other thing with these transfer portal recruitments. They have such a speed dating quality to them. I don't think it's really surprising when... You know, you kind of think something's going one way and then it veers the other way. You know, there haven't, there's just not that amount of time to really solidify uh, things. And so, you know, if you're not the last one to see a guy, that's always going to be a bit of a concern. And unfortunately, Indiana wasn't uh, in this case, but alas. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's such a contrast. And I guess you could make the argument that because these guys have been through the quote unquote normal recruitment process that they're able to maybe process some of those things quicker, but boy, you think about the amount of time that schools spend on, on guys in high school, and maybe that's, you know, going to shift away from that a little bit as, as this becomes such a huge part of roster building, but all the, all the time spent to lay the groundwork to, to get a commitment from somebody. And then now it's like, all right, well, you got a week and you better figure it out as opposed to years uh, of going, going through it that way. And, and, and again, I think it's reasonable to assume that, you know, a guy who's been in a major college basketball program probably has a little bit better idea of what they're looking for and what are the right questions to ask and what are the things that really matter to me that I understand now better than I did, you know, in some of these guys' cases three, four years ago when they were coming out of high school. So yeah. maybe it's okay that it's it's shorter, but um, you, you got to put your best foot forward in a hurry and and really catch somebody's attention in a hurry uh, at that point. Yeah, you do. You know, and- I just I just thought – Put your uh, wide net versus a, a, a small net comparison, too, that you still need to recruit high school and maybe branch out a little bit more in high school, not necessarily to get the high school commit, but to have at least a relationship or a connection with these kids that if they go to Ball State or if they go to Duquesne, um, you know, and, and you're, you don't want them right now, they don't think they're developed, but you're going to have to not just go after the top 50. You might want to go after 100 to 200 guys just because if yeah. they pop like a Peyton Sparks or something like that, you really have to really think uh, on how to, you know, build these connections, get these guys in for unofficial visits, let them see Assembly Hall, and then keep track of them. Uh, and, and I would imagine I use doing that. Uh, they're watching all of the all of the games and and the players at at small schools mid majors and and other big conference schools but it really is uh you're going to have to really redesign i think uh the whole recruiting process because it's all going to be about relationships and if we're speed dating and you have somewhat of a prior relationship a year or two early uh, I wonder if that uh, can be the difference in, in, in some of these things. I'm not saying that was a situation with Ledlam or anything, but it just hit me when, when Andy was speaking there that th- there's a whole new way of doing uh, doing this. Absolutely. Not to mention, players now have unlimited official visits that they can take, and more staff members can be involved in recruiting. You know, Jordan right. Holes and Adam Howard and these guys can actually do stuff. 
So I think you're a hundred percent right coach, you know, because a lot of these, you know, what happens when a guy enters the portal, you know, people immediately look for, okay, what's the kind of established relationship, you know, who, who were his final couple, uh, you know, schools that he was looking at. Cause that's a natural place to look, you know, what coach does he have a relationship with? You know, I mean, we got Xavier Johnson because Kenya Hunter had the pre-existing relationship with X, you know, we had a chance for Kalel Ware because Coach Yaw has connections in Oregon, you know, and so a lot of that stuff is really going to be important uh, here as we move forward. It is a different world, man. <laughs> I just want to say I've always liked Clint Eastwood movies for some reason. Uh, and it just it just popped up. Uh, oh, he, he mentioned how beautiful my bald head is in the chat. So thanks for Clint Eastwood being in the in the chat this evening. Um, oh, yeah. That makes Clint this old Eastwood guy. Too. Yeah, it, it makes uh, it makes it. No one ever called me beautiful. This is a monumental day uh, here uh, for Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> Very nice. Coach has a beautiful bald I, head. He really does. Is the comment? Yeah, I I was not looking at the chat. Amy, so get out of the really, chat. <laughs> so that really came out of left field. I thought this was like a we were in the cockpit of an airplane, and it's like yeah. do you like gladiator movies? And the coach yeah. just sitting here. I really like Clint yeah. Eastwood movies. What do you guys think about whatever? Yeah. We're starting to lose him. <laughs> I, uh. think, I think that's Amy's burner account. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. On that note, let's move on to segment two. Here we go. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Thank you, Romeo. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the man with the beautiful bald head, Coach Brian Tonsoni. Uh, guys, That's let's right. talk. <laughs> let's talk about Chris Ledlam's decision, kind of the impact, what's next, all of that stuff. Um, you know, I think the, the first place to start is on Ledlam. And the decision itself, you know, there were a lot of questions uh, coming in and coach, I know you had some of these questions and, and have expressed them on the show about how Ledlam would fit, you know, especially when you kind of look at a projected starting lineup, certainly you're penciling in Kalel Ware in there. I think you're naturally going to pencil in Malik Renew because he's certainly one of your five most talented players. And so Ledlam, a guy who's six six, you know, is a capable shooter, but that's not really his main game. He's really more of a driver and a guy who scores in the lane and, you know, is crafty and things like that. I think a lot of people wondered, okay, how is this guy going to fit at the three? And I think that was a very valid, valid concern, a valid question to have. But I think some people have gone a little bit overboard in that, you know, and part of it is, you know, you lose a guy and so now everybody's looking at all the things that he can't do you know, to make yourself feel a little bit better about it. You know, the issue is, I think, for this roster right now, you know, you were trying to replace Trace, and you think that, you know, you may have done that with Kalel Ware. You know, but you also have a lot of other production to replace with Jalen Huchifino, Miller Kopp, and Race Thompson. And I think a lot of us agree that while we want to make Final Fours and have a roster that, make, that can make a deep run, what's especially important for this upcoming season is to keep the momentum going. Make the NCAA tournament. You know, raise the floor for this program. Stop having so much of the roller coaster ups and downs. The reason why I really liked Ledlam and really came around on him after being skeptical early on, and I think why the staff really liked him, is because of all the other stuff that he does. 
it's easy to kind of look at the shooting and just say, ah, the shooting's not great, but all the other stuff and a lot of the intangibles, you know, the experience and the toughness that you're losing with some of those guys. I think those are some of the things that the staff, you know, really liked. And so the issue here now, coach, is, you know, what is the opportunity cost? All this time that you invested in Ledlam, you know, he's not the perfect player, but he was certainly the most well-rounded player Indiana was going after. And you look out at the portal now, and we hope that there's more guys to come. And I'm going to share with you here in a little bit a list of guys who last year entered the portal after April 20th, because it's actually a pretty impressive list of guys. And so you do expect there to be some more guys. The issue is, are you going to find a guy as well-rounded as Ledlam? I say that's probably unlikely. And so I think that's why, to me, this one hurts, because I think Ledlam is a guy who would have raised the floor and done a whole lot of little things to help Indiana win. So it's not to say that you can't maybe find a better shooter for those spots and some of those things. That may be possible, but, you know, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, I'm disappointed about this one because for a lot of the reasons why the staff really liked him, I really liked him too. Um, and I think missing on him is going to be a difficult thing to make up for. It's not that Indiana can't. Um, but I think, you know, we get really caught up and we've got to have guys who can shoot. And that is true. You need shooting. But we also need wings who have a versatile offensive game and can do more than just one thing. Um, and that to me is what he represented. So I'm disappointed, you know, I thought he really would have helped the team um, and we'll have to move forward. But I think it's worth at least lingering for just a moment on the reasons why the staff wanted this guy so much. Um, and, you know, is there going to be another guy who can bring all of those attributes to the team, even if there were a few weaknesses there that we wish were a little better? Well, I'm going to throw this scenario out, and I'm not one of those guys that when he says no, then, oh, we didn't want him anyway type of guy. You know, you want talented guys, and the staff identified him, and so the time and effort, all of those things I totally agree with. But they went after um, versatile force. They went after Battle and Ledlam right away when those guys hit the portal because they had Renew and they had Sparks. So there, there were two fives there, and then all of a sudden Ware pops. Like, you have to go after where. And so where and Ledlam come at the same time. Um, and so now, all of a sudden, where was the first one to commit. And now you have to – and I and I, you would still take him, but now you had to say there's limited time at the four all of a sudden, not as much time at the four, uh, as if it was Renew at the five and Ledlam at the four. I'd have loved that. Like, I think that would have been a super great fit for all the intangibles, the face-up game. You could go with your foreman coming off ball screens. He could drive in and bully people in off the drive. He can hit that spot up three and space the floor. I thought he – the reason I was excited about him was for that that four, that fourth wing, if you would, not the third wing, if you would. Yeah. So now all of a sudden um, it's not a negative that they didn't get him, and I'm not saying the staff – wouldn't have tried to fit him in somewhere and done a good job. Uh, but all of a sudden, he becomes a race Thompson with a dribble game. Now he becomes a Miller cop without the three uh, with a dribble game. And, and I don't think his impact what was going to be a, a, as much. And that's just a gamble in this trip. You can't say no to where. Like, where is going to be, I think, really going to be fun to watch. But now that put pressure on that playing time at the four. And you got another guy uh, in Caleb Banks who can go down and play some four if needed in the Geronimo uh, position, right? So I, I think that's why maybe he did not come because now he can play the three, but he knows that's going to be a new position for him. And even if he wanted to to get to the NBA, I don't know what he's going to do at Tennessee. 
but that's that was my thinking there is that they wanted him for the four and they fell in love with him for the four like I did and then all of a sudden you got where and now it's like hey still come here because now we'll put you into the three um and I thought I, I can't speak for coach Woodson and staff but I would imagine that he was being recruited as a, a space out drive the ball four and then we got where and now we got to play renew and so now we got to work him into the three or still want him and he still could have been feasible but i think maybe timing of that uh, the where uh, recruitment might have um played a role in the young man's decision but it also changed the way i looked at at ledlam uh if where goes elsewhere uh then i really would have been disappointed if ledman we missed out on that because we missed out on battle and that four that could either shoot or drive the basketball yeah, fair. Andy, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I think I think you're right in the sense that it would give you at least what you believe to be another proven commodity on the roster that's going to give you you know, you can you can you kind of know what you're getting to a certain extent. There's a range of outcomes, but but there is a floor uh with what he would do versus now it you know, in the absence of getting somebody else for that spot, it really puts a lot more onus on the development of Caleb Banks and what he's able to do uh, in that three, four role. It puts, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot more on him as the roster sits currently, not that they won't sign anybody else, but, um, it, you know, it. I, I joke with you guys before that everybody got so attached to a guy who could have walked in their living room three weeks ago and everybody had no idea who he was. Um, and so I think there was a lot of things to like about him. I think with any of that, you really struggle to figure out how it's going to translate the way that he played at Harvard, the competition he played, those different things, like versus a guy like a Cormac Ryan that we talked about, like played in the ACC. Yeah, style of play is different, but you know the kinds of athletes he's played against. You know what he's done. I think you have an even more clear idea of what you'd get out of a guy like that. Um, who maybe is less versatile or some of those kinds of things. But I do think you're not trying to figure out how he translates from one level to the next. And so that was always kind of the challenge with Ledlam. And I, and I think when you started to talk about the shooting component, I think coach brings up a, you know, interesting point about where he may have initially thought he was going to play. You know, then I think once I, you got where everybody switched to, well, this guy then would have to play the three. And that's where I think they brought in some, some of the questions about, you know, the shooting and the spot up numbers were decent, but what does that really look like? Can he guard, you know, threes and things like that. But I also think the, you know, ruggedness that he brought was probably a reasonable fit for the big 10. And um, so I think that's also the, you know, the other side of it is that I thought from a style of play standpoint and, and kind of the way he would play for the league games probably, you know, fits pretty well. Does that get you where you want to be in the postseason? M maybe not, but this isn't going to be a team, that in all likelihood has lofty postseason aspirations above and beyond just getting there um, based on what they have. And, and so it's kind of an incomplete, it, it's, it's disappointing on the one hand because he was a guy that they targeted and things like that. You know, could you shift and, and get a couple guys who are more true wing shooter scorer type guys and feel like you got to cobble things together a bit more Um and still feel okay about it. I, th I think that you could, that forces almost a, you know, so if you say, Hey, we're going to get some guys and, and mix and match some of these pieces and, and figure it out that takes Woodson a little bit away. You know, we're already talking about, you know, next year, he's going to go away from running stuff through the post. Now does he go away from, Hey, I'm going to run seven dudes into the ground. 
um, and how much of that was a function of what he wants to do versus what he had to do. Um, because it, with a guy like Ludlam, you can pencil him in for a good number of minutes. I don't think who you're going to get, again, uh, of the guys who are out there now, I don't know that you get a guy who you'd pencil in to take the same number of minutes that he has. So, But do you get enough guys where you can play some matchups and cobble things together to be successful? I, I think that you probably could, but again, it's another trying to figure out, okay, how does Woodson really want to coach? How does he really want to develop a team? How do they want to dole out the minutes and things like that that, again, is going to be a pretty pretty large departure from from what we've seen this year and even last year to a certain extent. You know, I think the other issue is you guys mentioned the very small net of people that Indiana was going after. And I think part of the reaction and the disappointment to Ledlam choosing Tennessee is, you know, from people like me who liked the player and even with the awkward fit felt that it was you know going to be better for the program to get him rather than not get him. It's also understanding that there's not a whole lot behind that. Like if you get Ledlam, you can kind of exhale and it's like, okay, this might not be perfect. We still have questions on the wing, but we've locked up a couple of top 55 guys in the portal. We're going into next year with a competitive team. You know, we got to find a guard and maybe CJ can step up or, you know, you start. I think everybody would just feel a little bit more comfortable. Now you're looking and it's like, man, we got two big holes on the roster. Unless you want to assume that, you know, a CJ Gunn or a Caleb Banks or one of those guys is going to be ready to step into it. And obviously Trey Galloway could be that guy. But I think everybody's vision, you know, was something a little bit more than that. You know, not just, hey, can we get Cormac Ryan or Chris Ledlam? Can we get Ledlam and Connect or Ryan? And now with none of those coming through, I think that's where, you know, some of the concern comes in. And I think it's warranted, and I share it. And the biggest reason why I share it is, you know, Coach, something that we talked about as we went through the season. You know, as we watch games go by where Miller Cop was shooting 45% from three and getting three attempts. You know, and Coach Whitson is saying things like, it's not my job to run plays for Miller Cop," And all of these things that, you know, maybe in, in, you know, an individual comment or an individual game here or there doesn't really make that big of a difference. But we talked about, you know, if you are a wing, a shooter, looking at Indiana right now, what is the case to come to Indiana outside of the coaching staff telling you we're going to play differently next year? Because for two straight years, it's been very post and lead guard heavy. Totally understandable why, because that's been the strength of your team. But I just, I find myself wondering, with Indiana unable to get any traction with Timberlake, unable to get connect on campus, you know, the Ryan thing didn't really go anywhere, Ledlam doesn't come, like all the wings that they prioritized, it didn't really go very well. And what is the reason for that? You know, we're, we've been told, I think Jeff Rabjohn said on the Twitter spaces that they did, that Tennessee was playing the, hey, you know, the Big Ten plays tackle basketball card with Ledlam, you know, and he didn't like that, even though, ironically, he would have been a good fit uh, in a system like that, but he didn't want that. Is it coincidence? Is it just these other teams have more relationships with these guys than we do? Or is there something where we just are not an attractive destination for a versatile wing? Uh, you know, who has designs on being more than just a low usage player who gets the scraps from the big men. I don't know. You know, I mean, we mentioned it during the season. Certainly the evidence right now is kind of pointing to something and I don't know what it is, but whatever the reason is, I am, I'm not panicking, but I'm officially concerned by our inability to gain traction with some of these transfer portal wings. Um, Because this is a season when we really needed to get some and we're just not getting very far down the road with a lot of them. And, that, and that's where even if some of these other names pop, okay, 
you know, and, and we have a lot to offer those guys in terms of playing time and NIL and all of that stuff. But if there's something just systemic that is keeping us from gaining traction, that's going to be a problem with those guys too. And I don't know the answer to it. I just know it's something that we've all discussed, you know, privately and on the show for a while now. And now we're starting to get some evidence that it could be uh, a bit of an issue. Yeah. And, and, and with all of this, uh, whatever anyone's narrative is, you can go find uh, pieces of information to fill your narrative. If you think this is going great, you can say this is happening and Woodson's the greatest coach and you would be correct in those pieces that prove that uh, way. And if you think uh, the offense and other things are, are, are not so good. And basically what that tells me is that this is still a coach in his second or third year developing a philosophy and developing relationships. And, and it's not like uh, you have some of these coaches who have been around for a long, re- you know, Barnes, whether he can score in the postseason or not, ha- has you know a, a veteran presence, uh, those types of things. But the but you you do want to start, you do have to start thinking. If I'm a wing, uh, am I going to transfer into the Big Ten? That's one issue. Period. Uh, but Terrence Shannon came in. Uh, there, there, there's some evidence that other players have come in. That, uh, Michigan State has taken some uh, transfer ups uh, from smaller conferences, and the Walker kid, I forget what school he came from. Their point guard uh, has turned out to be okay. Um, yeah. You know, so is that a piece? I think if you want that to be the narrative, you can very well say that's uh, true uh, because the Big Ten style of basketball isn't as pleasing as uh, other places, right? You could also say that uh, talk is talk, but what you've watched on film for two years is stand in the corner and get the leftovers. Uh, And the concern for me is if I'm a recruit or I'm a, a transfer and I look at a guy like Tamar Bates, who has a lot of athletic ability, was a heralded player coming in and never really got into a groove uh i may i may question that and if i'm a coach who's recruiting against indiana i'm sure as hell bringing that up mm-hmm. like they just got where uh they're gonna go right back to tjd they're gonna run pick and roll with x you're going to get limited shots if you come to i would really 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 um push that hard against IU. Uh, I'm not happy about that being an IU guy, but until there is some sort of proof and that puts the burden on the coaching staff to really sell and, and, and evaluate, sell and commit uh, to, if they want these guys to maybe a different, uh, a different way of basketball that we've kind of heard of, but there's nothing in film to show you any different. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's hard because we had to play that way. I mean, it would be dumb not to play that way with the personnel that we had. Um. But if you want that narrative, it is there. Uh, it is there, and it's hard to hard to to pass that pass that up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think 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 about it. We we follow the program intently, right? And even we would say, but responsibly. I I absolutely. <laughs> um, but even we would say, well, we think it's going to be different, but we don't know. It's it's somewhat of a chicken and egg thing, right? So so drop in somebody who's not following the program very much at all. If they go back and watch game film, look at stats and number of shots guys are getting, like, I don't want to say you can't blame them, um, but it very much is a little bit of a chicken and egg conversation, right? Like, you can say all you want that that's how you want to play. We can make up, not even make up, you can bring up lots of reasons why I use played the way that they have the last two years, and that's your sample size of Woodson. Outside of that, if he's going to convince you of anything else, he's telling you something that you haven't seen. And it doesn't 
and we can sit here as as followers of the program and say, well, everything points to that's how they had to play, and and a lot of things point to they're not going to play that way this year. But you haven't seen it, um, and so you know, I think for some guys, until you've seen it, if I got one year left of college and I'm transferring somewhere, is that the dice that I'm going to roll? That all of a sudden I'm going to be different than this guy who you're bringing me in to fill in for? I think that's a hard argument, and those are ultimately the kinds of guys that I use trying to get because they don't want to clog up roster spots for for whatever. So I don't really blame people. And like Coach said, I think there's lots of ways to negatively recruit against that. Now, I also believe that there's every reason to think that the offense will be a bit different and there should be some other opportunities for guys. But I think what may end up happening is you end up having to take maybe a lesser guy than what you thought who's willing to say, hey, look, this is a chance to play at Indiana. I believe this guy, I'm going to go do whatever. And maybe it works out great, which is kind of why I'm reserving judgment a little bit of, of being too negative about about losing Ledlam. The, the problem is you just don't know who that other guy is. And if they show up in exhibition game one next year and it's four out, one in, and they're doing all this stuff, and they're doing whatever, everybody can be like, see, I told you we were going to play different, but by then it's too late. Um, so you gotta got to kind of figure it out. But that lays the groundwork for future guys that you can show them this is what I really wanted to do. I wasn't able to because I was my job as the coach is to maximize the talent that I have and do the best. I did that here. And I think that tells a compelling story of somebody who can win different ways, but you got to get to that point to be able to put that story in front of somebody. Yeah. And what it kind of nets out to for me is, you know, every recruitment is different. And so it's not like there's one blanket narrative coach to your point there's not one blanket narrative that is causing the issues with every recruit right everyone is a little bit different but it's unquestionable that right now we are much more successful recruiting big guys than wings and you know i don't think it's a coincidence that in woody's two years he's had a lot of success developing big guys not a whole lot of success you know developing wings now we haven't really gone after a lead ball handler which we might have some success with because we have x you know so that hasn't been a big need um, you know, and well, so you have Huchfino in that regard. So I do think you can tell. That's what I mean. You know, like like yeah. we have a story to tell there. Yeah. But what we've what we've seen is that when Indiana's really zeroed in on a talented big guy, they've gotten him right. They got Kalal Ware. Peyton Sparks was begging to come here, and you know where this strategy of you know not casting a wide net really hurts you is if you don't land those guys, you end up where we're at right now, where there's still time left in the portal, but can any of you guys state a name that we're in on right now? Like there isn't one. And so it almost feels like being very selective with big guys is smart. I mean, Jalen Deloach, I mean, it seemed like he really wanted to come here. I was like, well, we don't really have any more spots. And so you can be selective with those guys because you have a story to tell them that is compelling. But with the wings, I mean, we may have to really widen our net and just go after a lot of guys and try to increase our odds of finding a guy that is going to be, you know, kind of willing to come here and take a chance on this offense. And I, you know, I tend to think that's a smarter recruiting strategy anyway. Um, you know, and there's some data to back that up, but I think specifically with what we're doing right now, the inability to even get some of these guys on campus, you know, we may have to be a little bit less selective and just find a guy that has some of the attributes because at the end of the day, we need people that can fill those positions and do some of those things. And we're just not getting traction with them. Yeah, and I'm just going to I'm gonna uh, come back at you a little bit on it's really not important for us to know if anyone is uh, involved. I mean, the staff and Adam Howard and Jordy Hulls, 
I guarantee you they're involved with a lot of players that we don't know. Oh, absolutely. Either by a phone call or whatever. So, th- but none of those guys have too, visited like, yet. Is the issue? No, no, they haven't visited. But really, it's it's one of those that like we we don't need to know. Um, it's not our business to know, uh, and that doesn't mean that Indiana's not staff is not doing their job. Um, and, and, and I mean, if they didn't have one A, one B, one C, one D, and already made phone calls to all of those. Um, then yeah, then we then we have a problem. But we're not going to sit here and know uh, at the assembly call if you know who we're involved with. Um, right. I'm guaranteeing that you know that's the point I'm making. When the information comes out, we all just jump on that one, and, and then or or a known commodity that's in, like the the Ryan kid. Um, we we need to do our due diligence to say yeah that they're working hard. Um, it may turn out to not be good, or it may be, we may critique it as not being a successful run. But man, they're busting their rear ends every day, especially now that Ledlam doesn't. They're they're in there, and we'll know when we know. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I just it's not it's not an effort problem. It's just it's right. the strategy is biting us in the butt a little bit because we're about to have one of the greatest showcases for the IU campus that you can, which is Little Five. We don't have any recruits coming. That you know, that's the thing. So I know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but we're not far enough down the road yet to have any of these guys on campus. You know, when we really need to fill these holes, and so that's where where people are concerned about that. I, I share that concern, you know, and that's where okay, now we haven't. But you're about to read got... a list of players. But you're about to read a list of the players that were pretty good that came into the portal after April 20th. So yes, there, no, there's no, still but it, time. But it's, but it's a two part thing. It's there can be some guys who come. But the point that we're talking about is even with some of these guys who are out there, we're not getting traction with them. And that's why I'm saying we may just need to widen our net a little bit and try and just get more guys on campus, um, you know, because we're having trouble matching the sales pitch to the player. And we may just need more reps and more opportunities. So let's read that list. And I want to credit uh, Hoosier Dog VA. I saw this on Peaks because I was going to go do this research myself. And I was very glad that he did it. Um, so here's a list. So you've got Ricky Council, the fourth. He went from Wichita State to Arkansas, I think. Uh, and I and this is, I don't know if we said this, this is a list of people who went in the portal after last the year. 20th last year. Yes, after April 20th of last year. So it's just to I think give we alluded to that, but I didn't know if we said it. So I just wanted to. Yeah, no, that. you're right. You're right. And, and so this is just, yeah, guys who came in after April 20th to give you an idea of the level of player that could still come out. Baylor Shireman, April 24th. Davion Harmon, April 26th. Malachi Smith. Kevin McCuller, uh, who ended up playing at Kansas, transferred from Texas Tech. Osin Osinuyi. Uh, Isaiah Mosley. Pete Nance. Keon Brooks. Matthew Meyer, who went to Illinois. So those are some good players. And again, there's been a lot of chatter that some more good players will come out. I expect that to happen. Again, I think that's why it's not time to panic. But those of you who are concerned about our inability to gain traction with wings, I share it. You know, we're kind of throwing out some ideas here for why that might be happening. The most important thing is this, you know, the staff has to figure out what that is. And look, maybe it's just coincidence. You know, maybe I tend to think it's a little bit more than that. But, you know, those spots need to be filled. It's not like it would be the worst thing in the world to enter next season, you know, thinking that, okay, Trey's going to man one of the starting spots and then it's either CJ or Caleb. Um, You know, we all believe in those guys long term. But, you know, there's a lot of risk in terms of those guys needing to develop and do things we haven't seen yet. And so that's where having a guy, even at a lower level, who's done it, makes you feel a little bit better about the floor being raised for next season. So, 
you know, that, that to me is just the main issue coach that we're having trouble getting traction with these guys. And so a lot of these names are going to come out and there's going to be less big dogs there to compete with. And so that's good, but we've got to figure out how to sell that a little bit better. And it just seems like it's a bit of a challenge two years in, uh, to sell the hope and the vision that isn't actually there on film through two years. Yeah. And, and the timing issue is, is going to be interesting. Those names are, are very good players who, who entered late. And then uh, a lot of this is when guys enter, you want to grab, it's that speed dating. So you get on them real quick and, and, and then they're, they're two guys that you like, and then they go elsewhere and, and it makes you kind of look bad too. And, you know, uh, I have some issues uh, w- with the direction of, of the team in, in some ways, but I think it's been an overall positive. Uh, and we just got caught up where we had to fill five spots uh, in one year. And that, that's difficult to do. Uh, and I think you were just witnessing a little bit of the ups and downs, but, but I'm not really worried. I mean, technically we have four starters back and, and three outstanding players in where renew and, and X, obviously they have to play at, at, at levels, their highest levels, but you give me those three dudes, those, those are three dudes right there. And yes, you want some more. You got three spots open, so you want a little depth at the two and the three. But Trey Galloway had a really good year. Uh, you know, I, the one thing that I'm doing is I'm not falling in love with new guys. Like everyone loves the backup quarterback, right? Until the backup quarterback comes in and doesn't play well, right? Everyone clamors for that. Everyone wants the portal guys to come in from you know South Dakota State because they averaged 18 points there, and they're going to come into Big Ten and. and we got guys. Galloway uh, can can play the game. Uh, I I think you know Co- Coach Marlowe would agree with me on that. Um, you know I I think I think Gun those guys do need to develop. I think Cups is going to be you know you can't rely on freshmen. We all hear that, but I think sometimes we don't spend enough time talking about those guys as a piece of this, that it's automatically going to be the five Porter guys come in and dominate the roster, and these other guys are just going to sit around for another year. Um, uh, you know, I, I have a little – I'm not as concerned uh, right now uh, because of the wear and renew and X. I'm really more concerned about X getting his waiver. Like, if that doesn't happen, then it's then, then we're in a, a deep issue. But give me – those are three outstanding starters. So, um, I mean – all right, I'm going to push back for just a minute. I, I, there's no reason to not have hope on X right now. So I think everybody's feeling positive on X. I agree. We need to. That needs to be done. You know, renew and wear are excellent talents. You know, they're guys who project to make big jumps from freshman to sophomore. But there's still a lot of questions about both those guys. Malik couldn't stay on the court last year, and Khalil Ware had a lot of issues with motor. Now. It's the offseason, and we do tend to talk ourselves into the best versions of these guys, but there's still risk even with those two guys. And so I think that's where finding some more proven production, I think, is just what a lot of people but are proven where? to raise. At Northern Colorado, well, who didn't play it, any defense, or a, f- a five? Yeah, it's not a to five say five that drove post players. I mean, yes, it's not to say I understand what you're saying with those guys. It's but I proven. Yeah. You know, but we need I David mean, Jenkins came to Purdue, averaged 18 points a game. David Jenkins came to Purdue and played seven minutes. Yeah. So I think we just got to be careful falling in love with these points per game, rebound stats from smaller schools going to come in and bring Indiana to the final four. Well, like, no one's no one's saying about the final four. I want to raise the no, I know, but tournament level. That's what I'm saying. It is. Everyone loves the portal guys. 
you know, the portal guys are going to be the starters and we are going to forget Trey Galloway. He needs to be coming off the bench. Um, man, I, I mean, yeah, we want good guys to come here and build the roster because a deeper roster is going to help Indiana, but it's, but I still think we're okay. I don't think we're like in, in trouble. The shooting yeah. is still a concern of mine. Um, a huge, huge concern of mine. And the style of play is a huge concern, but we got three guys that are really, really good that a lot of teams in the Big Ten are going to have trouble playing against, um, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think we're mostly aligned here. Um, it's just, you know, and, and Andy, you can come in and have the last word on this. There are some clear weaknesses that we would like to improve. Everybody loves Trey Galloway. I still think Trey Galloway's best role is as, you know, coming off the bench as that energy guy. And I think you're going to be hard-pressed to compete for a Big Ten title and go deep in the tournament if you're relying on him to start. And so can you find pieces that make your lineup more dynamic, that give you more options, that allow guys to settle into proper roles where you're not – everybody's excited about C.J. Gunn. Do we want to rely on C.J. Gunn to score 12, 13 points a game for the offense to work? I mean, I want to see him get time to develop, but I'm just – I want to make sure that we keep the momentum going next season. And that's where more proven production would seem to help that. It's not to say these guys can't develop and that we might not be okay anyway, you know, but – Andy, what are your, where do you fall on it? I guess I'm probably a little bit closer to, to coach, I guess. Um, I, I think the challenge is it's just an unknown. So you're not going to end up only with what you have today, but you're not going to end up with this idealized version of what we thought it could be. When you're like, well, if we get this guy and this guy and this guy, think how good it's going to be. You probably weren't ever going to get to that point anyway. And so, you know, on the spectrum of, you know, this is not going to happen, but they don't sign anybody else. Yeah. There's huge holes on this team. You are counting in a massive way on guys to step up from what they did a year ago. You're not going to end up that desperate for that, I guess, if you will, but you're clearly at a point now where you're not getting the guys who you have at the top of your shopping list in the portal that real, you think are really going to elevate your roster. So the question is, who do you actually get to do that and how do they fit with what you have? And that's where you, know, you want to have the immediate answer of what feels, you know, how you feel about it. You just really can't because um, at this point, you're not getting your best case scenario and you're not going to have your worst case scenario where you don't sign anybody else. It's, it's a matter of what you can do in the middle. I think no matter what, it, it, I, think, I think to a certain extent that tips based on you are now more reliant than you wanted to be on banks and gun to have to take a jump. Um, but yes, if they do that, then if, if one of them, you know, I think in an ideal world, you're like, okay, I need one of them to do you know more. Now, now you probably need more out of both, but I don't know that that's unreasonable um, to, to believe, but I, I think it's just the unknown. There's just a lot of different permutations at this point of who you're going to get that could make you feel, you know, a decent amount better and, and whatever else. And, and I think that's, that's magnified by the fact that you really don't have a good understanding of what the playing style is going to be to, to yeah. go to, you know, to tie it back to what we talked about before. If you told me you got two guys who you bring in two guys who may have scored eight, nine points a game somewhere, but hit 42% from three. Okay. I'd probably take it because if I'm going, if I'm going down the road of this team's going to be four out one in, I need those guys to shoot. Maybe they're willing to take a small role, but are guys who can knock down open shots if they get them. 
but haven't had massive production someplace else and fill a role on the team, then I think you could feel okay about it. You just don't know. Um, but, but I think they have to be pretty selective at this point about the skill sets that they need, not necessarily about the players to go after. We, we talked about that a lot in terms of what, but it's, I'm going after guys who do this one or two things and then really hone in on that. Um, I think Ledlam was interesting because he could do potentially do a lot of things. I think now you need to get, I don't want to say like true specialists, if you will, but the shooting has got to be the first thing that you hear about probably the next, you know, the next guy that, that you sign. Yeah. The first thing you should read about him is this guy can really shoot it. Uh, I think that's kind of a, you know, and and so I think I kind of look at it that way is what is the, you know, top couple traits that you have and how can you fill in that? And, and you're going to have to rely more than you wanted to in an ideal world on, on the, the guys who are going to be sophomores, but, um, but you recruited them for a reason. You're in the position to develop them for a reason. So it's a situation that you've created that you've got to figure out how to, how to make the best of as a, as a staff and as a program. I think Andy, you, you, you said what I, I probably really should have said is like, I'm for the, I'm for the skills. I, I don't need the top players or the, a 20 ranked kid or a guy that got 18 points or whatever. Uh, we need those things that we're missing that we missed last year. We got a big, we got a, a, a renew who I think is going to be a lot better. And we have a heck of a point guard. We don't have that, those wings shooters and drivers. So regardless of where they're ranked or whatever, and that's where I say, not you, Jared, uh, my, my conversation was not towards you, Jared, but more to the Indiana fan in general, that we don't need to come in and have five starters that average 15, 18 or dominant in their leagues come to, but we do need skills. And then the the question for me for the coaching staff is what skills are you going after and what style of play do you need to play? And a lot of those things could end up in uh, uh, who's the kid from Florida state, the six, seven kid Cleveland, you know, he only averaged 10 points a game, never heard about him until I read the athletic uh, thing. Didn't know he was in the portal. Uh, who shot 33, 34%, maybe a little bit better. Um, you know, th- those are the things where I do believe the staff is, if they're doing their job right, they have identified those guys for those needs. Um, and we might be underwhelmed by the name uh, of the player, but until you see it all fit, and I guess that's where I was going towards is, you know, I think we have a good foundation now. We just need to add some pieces I'm not sure we need to hit the home runs. Uh, we hit the home run with where the second best guy, top five recruit, an NBA type player. We that's the home run that elevated our program. Now we need to go get those specific. Andy, you you said it a lot better than I did, I, but no, I, agree. I and I agree with that. I follow the Reds. I don't understand your baseball analogy of this home run, but you can explain <laughs> okay. it to me during the break, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I will. no, I mean, and look, and and coach, I agree with that. I like our foundation. I think now we need guys that have some specific skills. The more dynamic that they can be, the better, but we certainly need to get shooting. We need guys who can bring that offensive punch. My worry is just we're struggling to get traction with those guys. And so, right. you know, we've got to find a way to get those guys on campus and sell them in a different way, um, you know, because we do need to add some more of that skill uh, to the roster for next year, if for no other reason than to have depth and to have, you know, more options. Because that's the problem. That's the thing that we see is – you know, we go and you know, we talk about in the offseason, like last offseason, you know, we talked a lot about, hey, what could Tamar become? What could Jordan Geronimo become? And unfortunately, those guys didn't really develop. But hey, look, Trace got even better. 
and Trey Galloway developed in ways that people didn't, you know, didn't realize. And so I think when you start talking about projection and guys getting better for next season, I mean, if you can get a 50% hit rate on guys developing in meaningful ways, that's pretty good, especially for this program in recent history. But as it stands right now, you're going to need a higher percentage than that. My goal is just let's get some guys who have a little bit of that proven skill to increase your odds of making sure that you actually get it on the court. Um, because that's going to, you know, make us better for next season, give us more options and, you know, hopefully make everybody better. So, you know, look, it's a, it's an interesting time in the portal right now for Indiana. You know, the getting Khalil Ware was huge. Getting Peyton Sparks was important. Now we got to fill some of these wing slots. And unfortunately we've swung and missed. Um, but hopefully we'll get a lot more opportunities at the plate here over the next few weeks, uh, and can do better as I continue, uh, to use the baseball metaphor just to, uh, really confuse Andy down there. Uh, anything else on this? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sure we could probably dive into it more and there'll be plenty of time to talk about it on future shows. Anything else on Ledlam, the staff's philosophy that you guys want to cover here before we hit to the head to the mailbag? Uh, only other thing that, that you brought up and that this was a potential thing used in the, in the Ledlam piece is, is the Big Ten in the style of play. Uh, you know, that that's not going away. So you're going to have to figure out a way to recruit around that one way or the other. Um, and, and I think part of that can, can be, again, if you go out and the offense looks different next year, you have that story to tell. Cause I think other teams can have that story to tell, even if the league is what, what the league is, but, but, but you have, um, you know, wings who have, you know, been successful in the league and been able to, or be able to put up numbers and things like that. So I don't think it's a, death sentence for guys i don't think it helps and i think the combination of that and not really showing your own ability to use those guys in creative ways doesn't help you there's one of those things you can control and one of them that you can't right so the, yeah. the you know that that really you know becomes important to figure out what the offense is going to look like and the the more seasons you stack where it becomes harder for guys to visualize themselves playing an integral role or being able to display their versatility, that becomes a problem. But I think for now you can explain it away a little bit based on the, the construct of the roster, but that, you know, I really think after this next year, that goes away. And so yeah. the, the, the opportunity to flip that a little bit becomes really important because the big 10, unless they make dramatic changes in how it's officiated or other aspects of it, the style of play is not going to change in a meaningful way, no matter how much we all want it to. Yep. That's a good final point to end on here, Andy. Uh, all right. It is time now for our mailbag. We got a bunch of really good questions. Some serious, some kind of funny and whimsical, and we will get to a bunch of those next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A home run, Andy, is when your team swings at the baseball and the ball goes over the outfield fence. It kind of happens a lot at Great American Ballpark. I've, well, I've, seen other, I've seen other teams. teams do that with regularity there, so I guess I am familiar <laughs> with it. That reminded me of the Baylor player explaining what a rebound is in yeah. the NCAA tournament. Reach up, grab what's your hand. Okay, I, I, hey, I want to shout out. Want to shout out uh, Dale Ficklin in the chat. It's the first time I've seen his name. I met him at a baseball uh, game. He came up. We were both out in the outfield. Uh, I think he was laughing at me because I ran and hid behind the foul pole on a on a, <laughs> a home run ball. Um, and then he came up and, and kind of made me feel all right. But uh, Dale, good to see you again. It was great great talking to you. Uh, hope to see you again at uh, Bart Kaufman. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, let's hop into the uh, to the mailbag questions. It's already okay. 10, Sounds good. here on an I, say, I probably show. got 10 or 15 minutes. I feel like I've seen my wife for approximately eight minutes today. So, oh, okay. Well, let's <laughs> we, yes. just like ships passing in the night. Oh, you're taking this kid here as I come in the door and then we leave and do whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's no, where that's... we're at today. So make one sure of those you days. get an official visit here before she enters. The one of those world. days. But yeah, we can't, we can't have that. <laughs> no. All right. Here we go. Um... Hi, it's Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Thomas. One of the Hoosiers still alive in the NBA playoffs. Good luck to him playing with the Nuggets, right? Isn't Thomas on the Nuggets now? He was on the Lakers earlier, and then I think he got traded to the Nuggets. Unless I'm way off, and then someone can tell me. But I think that's the case. Uh, I don't follow the NBA well enough to correct you, so sure, that (laughs) sounds good. Let's roll with it. Uh, I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. It is time for our mailbag. Uh, All of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. You can learn more about that and join us at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, Let's go to Kevin's question first. For the portal, why would a kid wait to put their name in? I've started wondering this of late as I keep hearing we might still be in the early stages of the portal. I think there are a number of reasons why that might happen. You know, some guys are getting, you know, exploring their NBA potential and maybe they get an answer they don't like. So they come in, but they still have time and they decide to put their name in the portal to go to a different school. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, an opportunity might open up uh, at a certain school, whether it's for playing time, whether it's for increased NIL money uh, that maybe a guy didn't see before that happens now. Uh, In some cases, a guy may be on a current roster And based on the other players that that team is bringing in, maybe he feels like he's being recruited over. And so he decides to enter. So I think, you know, Andy, it's just this time is so much in flux with rosters and information. And then especially with NIL, you know, if you get a hint, you know, shoot, 
you know, it's, it's like with Indiana, okay, a team now becomes a little bit more desperate for a certain position, uh, you know, and maybe there's contact there. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, as this stuff plays out, opportunities change. Um, and that can mean then, you know, for an individual player, their calculus on whether to stay or go could change. There's just a whole lot of stuff in flux. Um, and so I think that's why you can see some of these things happen a little bit later. Yeah, I think probably the, the one that immediately came to mind for me was the third one that you said where, hey, somebody else just signed here that limits my opportunity for growth or different things like that, where or you kind of feel like there's writing on the wall and in some regards with that. So I think like Logan Duncan was... looking at Peyton Sparks and Khalil Ware coming in, he's probably not yeah. going to think, Oh yeah, I'm going to get a lot of playing time next yeah. year. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that was the one that immediately came to mind for me. I do think there's some of those NBA draft decisions that, Hey, if a guy comes back, how does that impact me? But it's all largely to me related to, you know, kind of roster changes over the course of time, L largely on the team that the, the player is a part of, but I do think there's maybe a bit of an outward focus, like you said, of being able to look and say, you know what, there might be an opportunity here. I could put my name in, potentially come back, but at least gives me the chance to explore um, some of the, you know, some things that might be out there. So I think it's more limited for sure, because I think guys who are clearly uh, disgruntled or ready to move on to a higher level or just ready to move on, period, those guys are kind of ready as soon as the season gets over. And so that's why you have this mass influx there. But then as the dust settles from what happens with some of those things, I think it um, I think it becomes that way. And I think you even saw that with, to a certain extent, a little bit of that with a uh, guy that committed to Wisconsin, whose name is escaping me. But he's already kind of backed out of that commitment because... Reynolds, I think. Yeah, so either somebody didn't leave that he thought was going to leave, something happened there where the situation wasn't what he expected it to be and and looked at it differently and, and, and kind of changed his mind on wanting to make that decision. So, but... I think if you know a handful of reasons, certainly, you know, the bulk of the players enter early on, but I do think you'll see a little bit of movement here. And um, you just got so many players in there at this point. There's there's so many dom dominoes left yeah. to fall. By the way, I do have do some think insight it on Reynolds. Um, he went to Wisconsin and they gave him the 500 page manual for how to flop, <laughs> how to travel without it being called. Uh, and he just that wasn't the kind of basketball he wanted to play. So he left. <laughs> Do, do you guys think there's a little of the uh, recruiting going the other way uh, in, in a delay? Because I, I agree with all of you. I think it's roster mainly or figuring out NBA stuff. I think that's the main reasons. But do you think it's someone sitting there going, I have a skill set and, and I'm going to call five or six schools and, and see what kind of money I can get? Uh, and if not, I'm happy where I'm at. Uh, but if I can, if I'm making 400000 here, but I can get a million somewhere else, then I'll put my name in. After the fact, no need to put my name in because I'm directing the recruitment. I don't want 45 schools calling me. Uh, I'm going to call two or three or have the my people. I, I wonder if that is now part of this NIL. I don't know any stories like that, but if that's a delay, maybe there's a delay too is, man, it's a two-way street. If you can market yourself that way and you run the risk of having someone find out. And I mean, there's a lot of negatives to trying to do that as well, but yeah, I just wonder. Could be, definitely could be, especially with the kind of money that can be had uh, moving up a level. Uh, Coach, why don't you take this one from Jim Tom Hoosier? We seem to be totally locked in on the portal right now talking about adding starters. Are you assuming none of the upcoming sophomores or new recruits have a chance of starting next year? N no, um, and I, I saw that uh, question in the chat. What was I arguing? Um, 
my, my point is is for all of us to understand, we still have players on the roster, so, and technically we have four starters, if you think so. I know, I know Renew wasn't a starter, but we have four starters. So it's not – you can go out and get pieces. If, if someone wants to transfer up like a Peyton Sparks and come in and as a shooter and can come in for 15 minutes and shoot that 42 like Andy said – that might not be the big name or, or the top 150 guy in the portal, but they're 250th in the portal, but they're a, a drop-down, you know, dead-eye shooter. Um, so I don't think – I think we really – all we need is maybe one. Uh, if, if we're not sure – you know, Caleb Banks' development is a big issue, so I would say we would need one more starter out of the three uh, definitively. Um because I'm comfortable with Galloway. That was what my point uh, yeah. was, is that I don't think it's so desperate that we have three portal guys come in and start with Renew and X next year, and the guys that we had are all going to be on in, in backup roles. I think it's just going to be fair game, and it might even be better if you get guys in who have to compete than, you know, um, uh, you know. so that's my point. Yes, we need, we have three spots open. We will fill them. We need to fill them. I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying I don't know in my mind that they need to be three outstanding top 50 in the portal, must start uh, and, and contribute guys. I think we have enough of a foundation that if what Andy said, we piece it together, um, that still could be uh, keeping that momentum that you're talking about and I agree with. Look, and, and we've underestimated Trey Galloway for three straight off seasons. He's always outplayed what we thought he was going to do. And so I would not have any problem. If we do enter next season with him as a starter, you know, I'll believe that he's probably going to take another step because you know that he's going to play well. I do think I think we have to be a little bit careful with CJ and Caleb and keep our expectations in check. You know, a lot of guys do, Andy, make a jump from freshman to sophomore. A lot of the guys who make the big jump, right? Like, you know, you think about a Jaden Ivey or, or Johnny Davis. Remember a couple of years ago, the Big Ten had several guys who jumped from their freshman to sophomore year. I think Keegan Murray was one. But all of those guys, and I'm not saying anybody is expecting CJ or Caleb to do that, but all those guys showed a lot as freshmen. Now, Caleb and, she, and CJ showed some flashes, but didn't get a whole lot of time. They profile more as the kind of guys who become consistent rotation players as sophomores and then are your more consistent contributors as juniors and seniors. Could they become that as sophomores? Yes. I'm just saying history suggests it's a little bit less likely. You know, Jen, uh, I saw her question in the chat. What do you expect from CJ next year? Well, you know, CJ didn't do much statistically this season. He averaged like one or two points and shot 8% from three-point range. The thing to remember about CJ is when you look at the history of all the guys who have taken the number of three-point shots he took, which was like 28, I think, or 24, it was more than one per game and shot that poor of a percentage, there's been like 13 or 14 of them in the last 20 years of college basketball. Six or seven of them, again, shot less than 10% at more than one shot, one three-pointer per game. Half of them didn't even play college basketball the next season, so they clearly probably just weren't very good. Of all the ones who stayed and played another season of college basketball, the average was they shot like 36% from three-point range on increased volume. So typically, even if a guy shoots that bad of a percentage, the fact that he's continuing to get shots is a suggestion he's a good shooter. It's just not showing up because of a small sample size or a struggle to you know adjust to his to college basketball. But I think if you're looking at CJ, the most likely outcome is you know he plays 15, 16 minutes, averages six or seven points a game, gets that three point shooting up. That I think is a fair expectation of his development curve. 
where I think it would might be a little bit of time to panic is if you have to pencil a guy like that in as a starter and expect starter level production. It's possible. And maybe you speed up his development curve with all the extra playing time. That could very well happen. But I think you're probably not going to be as good next year as you want to be. And that's where some of this push and pull comes from for people who really believe in those guys long term, but just don't necessarily want to count on them quite so early next season. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good way to frame it that, that you know maybe the positive is that really accelerates it but i also think you're putting those guys in a difficult position and one that they would probably relish the chance to uh to be able to play more and do some of those things but realistically for a team that had the injuries they had at times last year and played as tight of a rotation as they did it's it's hard not to read into a little bit of again this goes back to a is this a Mike Woodson thing or is this about them? But I, I, there's a part of me that finds it hard to believe they, if the staff really believed they were ready for more minutes last year, it's hard to believe they wouldn't have got them um, based on what opportunities did exist. And that doesn't mean they were doing anything wrong. I think that means they're typical freshmen that are probably ranked about where they were in recruiting rankings, where they're not guys that you would pencil in even as freshmen to be a core member of your rotation. So I don't mean that to, 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 badmouth them in any way but i do think if there were opportunities there and there certainly were minutes that at times guys either weren't performing you had injuries you needed to give guys rest and they didn't typically get those minutes um in games that were meaningful um and so it is a big ask of them to to jump and do that i think they both showed flashes enough to allow you to be optimistic for that. It wasn't like they came and showed nothing. And then it's like, holy crap, there's no way they're going to be able to do whatever, but being able to perform at a higher level in more consistently in a larger amount of minutes is a, a big ask of anyone in that, you know, in that position. And, and so um, I think, you know, if you're placing bets, you, you on the number of them that, uh, you know, really take a big leap. I, I, don't think you'd probably take both. Um, that seems like, you know, just something that that is unlikely to happen historically in college basketball, not just at IU. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It, um, so, and I think with what you've done in the front court, you've given Banks at least a little bit of a safety net there where he can slide in, play some minutes at the four, but not be counted on for big minutes there, can play some minutes at the three. I think you've got a little bit of a, safety net for him to to know that you're not going to have to thrust him into that right now as we look at the roster i don't think you have that for cj gunn um and you know both seem like really good kids are going to work hard in the summer it can point to success stories of guys who really changed their game and and became more consistent in that it's just kind of a playing the percentages thing and how often does that really happen um and and is it reasonable to expect not one but two guys to to do that feels like a stretch yep um all right so i, think we- I got a question r- real quick though yeah. um you said cj can possibly average six to seven points a game next year is that correct i think that would be a miller cop expectation miller cop averaged 8.1 as a starter mm-hmm. uh now there's a much bigger question about you know cops experience what he did better is he i don't think cj's starter material necessarily i don't know that caleb is would it be great if they developed into that right away but i do think they have the skill set the length the hustle uh the long arms that 
modern basketball is. And if they are ready to play at high levels, as soon as that is, I, I think I, I put somewhere in, in the community or a text, is it at the beginning of the year, middle of the year, or maybe at the end of their sophomore year, we all of a sudden have two dudes that fit that mold. That's yeah. why I'm high on them. I understand that we probably need at least one starter uh, in the portal for that three or two spot and, and and move Galloway or whatever. But we had three starters that averaged 8.4, 8.1, and 6.7. So if we believe C.J. Gunn can get six to eight points a game, that is starter production, um, at least in the offense that was last year, right? Um your X is going to get a lot of run, and the and the forwards are going to get a lot of points and a lot of usage. You're looking at the th- fourth or fifth most used position as well. I think it's going to end up being split with a couple people. Is is the point uh, where where I do think they will contribute next year, uh, whether it's starting or not. I, I and I don't know that they need to take that. They do need to take a big leap, but. I, th- I think they're going to get it done. And that's where all of this ties together for me as, as a coach that I think we have some pieces there to work with. We need someone to come in and compliment CJ and Caleb in those roles. Yep. And hopefully we can find that. Uh, Jared asks, what is our plan B and C for filling the final three scholarship spots? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously is that, hard work, I, I, and you know. I, I recognize the spelling is different, but was that you submitting your own question me. just to try to? Okay, I, I thought that when I saw the run sheet I have too. No answer to. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. You know. So anyway, we don't know what that plan is. Michael asked, "What do you think is the biggest factor, and what seems to be difficulty attracting wings in the portal?" I think we talked about that. The the many many reasons behind that. So let's hit one of these fun questions here before we get out of here, Andy. We wanna we wanna protect your marriage, so we're gonna let you get out of here uh, shortly. Amy's in the chat saying nice things about Coach under a pseudonym, so we don't need to worry about her. Um, okay, let's go with Jonathan's question. He says Bob Knight, Branch McCracken, and Mike Woodson are coming over for dinner. Tom Crane, very upset that he did not get a, an invite to that one. Uh, what do you have the most confidence in making for them from scratch? Coach, what are you making for, for those three coaches? Well, I know what Woodson wants. He said it in a press conference. He wants a big-ass pot of chili. <laughs> and I can make that from scratch. So we're having a big-ass pot of chili. Big-ass pot of chili. Okay. Andy? What are you cooking for those esteemed coaches? Boy, I don't know. I'd probably grill something. That would be my would be my guess. Maybe some. I don't, I don't know how much time I got. If I wanted to hang out with them for longer, I could like smoke ribs. That would take you know a good few hours, and then you could uh, you know, really kind of have that, have a few drinks while we wait on that. So I, I would probably grill or or smoke something. Would be my guess. Now, obviously, you know, I'm sure you would just kind of want to be a fly on the wall and just listen to them talk. But if you did get an opportunity to toss a question in for discussion, what question would you throw in? Is that to me or Andy? Either one. Go ahead, Andy. You both need to think about it a little bit. Thanks, thanks, Coach, for letting me go first. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, Boy, I don't know. That's a a tough one. Probably be something more night-related, I would guess, just because of – uh, you know, kind of being a, a, you know, the coach during my, my formative years. I mean, if it was right now, I'd probably ask Woodson some questions about the, about the portal and what's going on there. But I think in, this is a general, general question. 
I don't know, probably be something either about with Knight about uh you know, some of those early nineties teams and some of kind of what he saw in in those guys that maybe weren't as as Harold, I mean, as a Calvert Chaney guy, you know, what did you see in him as a guy who wasn't as highly recruited as so many guys in that class that, you know, really gave you reason to believe he uh, was such a good fit or things like that? Probably asked him some questions about coaching Jordan and what he saw in him in the Olympics. I think that might be interesting to get his uh, his perspective on that too. I think one question that would be interesting for that group in particular is outside of the 1975 team, what is the best IU team that didn't win a title? Because they all were kind of involved with, you know, some of those teams that we talk about with missing banners. I would love to hear a debate on that, what they would say. I, obviously, I'd, I'd go to some – there's a couple. Like, um, how important is, is um, leadership, inward leadership, player-led teams? Um, and and the, the other one was, what, what was your most satisfying accomplishment um, as a coach with a player? Uh, not necessarily wins or losses or total wins or losses, but but what one thing that you accomplished with a player uh, that uh, you feel really good about uh, that that individual win? I, yeah. I asked a football coach here, uh, um, a famous football coach, Hall of Fame football coach. I said, "What happens if you don't have a player led team?" He goes, "You lose." <laughs> it was like it's just too, <laughs> you lose. Very okay. simple. Very simple. I'll tell you, you know, the, the other question that I would love to ask Branch McCracken and Bob Knight is if you coach today with the transfer portal, how much do you think you would have had to change to be successful? You know, could you have been as intense and all that stuff if it was a little bit easier for guys to leave? I would love to know what they would say. Maybe they would say, screw it. I would do it the same way. But it would be interesting. I, I was actually I, I stumbled upon this video um, of Coach Knight talking about Larry Bird. Um, and you, know, you don't often see coach Knight in kind of self-reflecting, you know, admitting mistakes. And he really, I mean, he just basically said like, I wish I had understand, uh, understood his situation better. Kind of like, I wish I had empathized a little bit more and communicated better, uh, to try and make that work. Um, and I think it would be interesting because, I mean, we know coach Knight was stubborn, but he also wanted to win. Uh, and certainly, you know, it's, you know, you just you couldn't just take him from then and and plan him in here. He probably would have had to come up with this system and kind of gradually change with it. But it'd be interesting to know just what he would say about how he might change, because I think he would have had to change. You know, I mean, if, if it was easy for guys to transfer, you know, some guys might not have put up with it. And that that enters into a whole other debate of whether, you know, not requiring guys to sit out is good or not. Um, but when it's your reality, you know, you might have to change a little bit to make sure that you keep your best players around. So, man, times have changed. That is for sure. All right, let's take it out here. We got we have some other good questions here. We're not for, uh, ignoring them or forgetting them. We have them on the run sheet, so we will answer them in a future uh, episode of Assembly Call Radio. But that will do it for us on this episode. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call Radio recording. As always, we thank Bob Thompson for producing our music. And thank you to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos. And as always, thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who is here live tonight on Thursday. Uh, we'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you next week. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mrs. Stansoni. See, this team could use Robert Johnson. This guy can play defense. Could use a Robert Knock down shots. But wouldn't be a guy who would have put up huge numbers anyplace else, but would do well to fill a role on this team. That's the thing with the portal, man. Fit is everything. You know, it really, it's about, it is about fit. Can you find guys who fit? Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I'm calling it a night. Cool. Thanks for being here. Good chatting with you, fellas. Yes, uh, you as well. Good night, Andy. Hopefully more and, uh, and better news to hit next week. Let's have a surprise emergency podcast sometime next year. There you go. That would be good. That would be good. All right. Take it easy, guys. Cool. See everybody. And if you're in Bloomington, be safe this weekend. Have lots of fun. But be take care of each other. Be safe. Yes, exactly. Take care of each other. Hundred percent. All right, coach. Any any final thoughts from you before we wrap up here? Nah. Life's good. I tell you that baseball team's fun, man. It's just fun. Uh, I this was interesting. I don't mean to take your time, but I sat right no. behind the dugout. Obviously, people saw me on, on on TV, but right behind Mercer and listened to him lead his team. Uh, fascinating uh, to be that close uh, yeah. from a coaching perspective and real positive, uh, encouraging, uh, and just the amount of detail, the, the pitching staff and the coaches that are moving players and positions. Uh, I just I know they, they got really stung with the portal or with the COVID thing, um, and, and had a tough rebound. Uh, that really set them back in his second year. But, man, he doesn't have a great pitching staff, but it's getting better. The kids are improving, the, the energy. Uh, and um, just listening to him, I really appreciate Ari and Josh covering the team yes. and getting uh, media availability for us in, in the community. If you're not in the community, you need to join because – just listen to coach Mercer talk and, and you can tell someone who has a plan, has a way of playing and wants to play that and really appreciates uh, the young man and his, his program and how hard they work. He's, he's um, yeah, I, he's one of my favorite coaches right now. Um, just, just following him. So, but it's also Jared, I don't know if you've ever been to a game. I know you've probably been by there and seen, but it, it is a great atmosphere. Is you it? get, get some nice weather and, and, uh, good food and beer and just uh, it, it's um, it's it's a lot of fun. Heck, Brett and I go down on weeknights. We drive two hours down, come back at eleven, go to school the next day. But <laughs> the baseball awesome. program um, is really good. But uh, yeah, the, Ari, Ari, I ran Ari at uh, Illinois, and he he does he just does some really good things. Uh, he does for us as well. And and then I saw Josh went to Cincinnati yesterday, traveled. So. Um, make sure you, Josh just you know, so desperately his... wanted to have a decent baseball team to follow. Yeah. You know, he, or... he was wearing a white Sox polo last Tuesday when I saw Good. him. So Good for him, got to stay yeah. strong through, through all the downtimes. Oh, no. All's cool. good. That's awesome. I'm glad they're glad they're doing well. It's great seeing so many IU sports teams. Yeah. And I want to get to well. softball too. Cause I think yeah, she does a great job it. too. I mean, just, just fantastic. And there's so many, uh, again, in the stress of this portal, there's so many good things about Indiana University and Bloomington and, you know, uh, the patio around uh, Kirkwood. Make sure you indulge in some all of that beauty while this stress of basketball <laughs> roster yes. uh, works its way out because yes. uh, th- that'll, that'll help you. Uh, I mean, we're part uh, of the problem, doing a show every week and tweeting about it. There's, I, I, I promise you, there is a part of me that would love to just shut things down for three months 
and just come back when the dust settles and talk about it. I find the ebbs and flows. Now, it's not a big enough part of me to actually do it, but <laughs> I do find some of the ebbs and flows of this stuff. Uh, I, I just find it to be a little bit much. Um, yeah, know, but and I, I, and I get I, it, you know, and it, it's kind of fun to talk about, but there's also certain parts yeah. of the discussion where it's just like, well, God, I don't know. We don't know yet. Let's just see what the roster ends up being. Cause this, all this angst may be a complete waste of time if everything works itself out. So I just, I struggle, but with I, it. I, go back I do, I, I hear you, but I do think we provide, uh, some stability. People can come here. If they have some comments, they can put them in the chat and get their thoughts out. Uh, I think we balance uh, you know, we, we see the pros and the cons uh, of what's going on, uh, and, and it's not the shock boards or shock talk things. And I just think so that's worth it for me to, you know, show up as regular as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get into June and July, and we have to do some, you know, which team would you th – then that becomes a little fun. It's not as stressful as this uh, uh, portal stuff. But, yeah, I, I think that's – it is it – is, we got to be careful not to sensationalize every single tweet or every single move. Um, mm -hmm. But, I, but I think we're, we're rather fair with all that. Yeah, no, that's what keeps us coming back is the, yeah. the real purpose that we have to be here is to be together with everybody. So yeah, we just, you know, and it's much needed because we don't right understand. Now. Yeah. We, we don't understand what's going on. And, and uh, in this day of tweeting and availability, you can get confused and up and down. Um, I've tried to change. Uh, I've mentioned this to you guys with recruiting. Like as soon as they're on campus, now I'll get concerned with them because of the up and down nature. Like yeah. you fall in love with the kid, you hear at an AAU tournament that they're watching, and then he never comes to campus, and then you get down, and then you get up, and then you then you get down. And each year I tell myself not to get as involved, and then I fall back into that rabbit hole. Um, but um, all anyway. because of where a college kid decided to. <laughs> attend school you know it's like you have no yeah. control over it <laughs> that's what i mean like no. sometimes you step back from it and it's like what am i worrying yeah. about here like what am i yeah, what am exactly. i reading about <laughs> i mean it's not like you can call zone or and have a direct yeah. Im i mean you do have a direct impact but there are i mean st john's tennessee and indiana you're playing for woodson a guy who played uh, a coach in the pros patino one of the greatest coaches ever uh, crazy and did some crazy things, or, or you're in an SDC uh, with a guy who's coached for 26. I mean, that those are some good choices for uh, yeah, you know Chris Ledlam. Yep, he earned it. But he, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh well. All right. What's going on with you? Anything great going on with you and your family? Taking my daughter on a father-daughter campout this weekend. We leave tomorrow. Pick there her up we early go from school. It's gonna be fun. So if anybody commits this weekend. There will be no emergency pod, at least hosted by me. Uh, it seems like I'm leaving on the right weekend because it doesn't seem like anything's happening. But anyway, that, that, that is that's, that's cool. where I will be. So that'll be that, fun. That, I, uh, I've told you guys this, you and Andy, definitely not Ryan, but I've told you and Andy, um, it, it's great to be the older guy with kids out of the house and living vicariously through you reading to your son and now going on your father – daughter weekend and the dance and that and then andy with all the you know timing of going to practice and driving it just brings back all those memories you guys yeah. you know do a a really good job of being uh, really great dads which is much needed in our society anymore so thank you for sharing all that stuff it's it's just awesome absolutely absolutely what are you cooking is it like can't 
camping, 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 or it's not camping, somewhat camping. civilized camping. I mean, they they basically so we go with a big group. Um, there's probably like seven or eight dads and their daughters that go, and so there's a big cabin that has bunk beds. It's you know the bedding is not nice. It's just mm-hmm. like a little thin mattress. So you got to bring sleeping bags and kind of bring all that stuff. Right. So those, it's not glamping. Like it's not like there's a nice place there. But then you know yeah we'll have a fire and make s'mores and the weather should cooperate. Nice. So I think we'll be able to go out on the lake and do some of that stuff. There's activities and yeah it's just just being outside you know cooking hot dogs and burgers and running around enjoying nature and each other. So that's so cool. Yeah it should be a lot of fun. Well, Jim, I, I can't wait till I have grandkids, but uh, my boy's got to got to do something first. <laughs> one's got to get, well, I guess you don't have to get married, but one's not married and the other one I hopefully is, is doing that. But um, no, those, those are, those are good things. <laughs> uh, yes, Ari, I know it's not true camping. I know we'll probably go, we'll probably get an actual tent and go like legit camping here at some point. I've done that before. She hasn't. So we got to, we got to toughen her up a little bit, get her out there in the tent. Oh. One of these days. It's something one we of are, these days. you know, it's a good reminder too. I don't do enough of this, uh, getting out in nature with mm-hmm. all the technology and all the stuff. I'm on, on back with the, the fire going with my laptop. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we all need to, you know, get out and breathe a little fresh air every once in a while. Less refreshing well, for, for recruiting news and more getting out in nature. We'd be. I am not a glamper. This is not glamping. It's not glamping. <laughs> it's it's hey, not I necessarily did, I didn't camping. mean for you to catch some it's heat. Something, it's I just something asked in between. about your family. <laughs> Dang. It's all right. This Everybody... portal has created some... <laughs> everybody's on edge they're on edge i I asked about what what he's doing with his family and now he's a glamper and goodness gracious Uh, we we all love you guys all right i'm gonna let you go before i ask you something else it gets the gets everyone uh all right everybody yeah hey i one more thing dale's bringing up this foul pole so indiana's losing a tuesday and i move so my son and i we move for and i go out to right field in the sun is setting and I can't see. And all of a sudden I, I see this ball hit and I see the curve is coming right towards me. I'm just inside the foul pole and I lose it. Like I don't see the ball coming. So all I can think of is hide behind the foul pole fence. And if it hits the foul pole, I'm safe, but I must've looked like a big coward. Like Dale was out there having a sandwich. My son asked me if it was a fair or foul ball. I'm like, I don't know. I just ran. (laughs) I just ran and ducked behind the foul pole. So, uh, the Dale just said there's no foul pole to hide in camping, and, and yeah, <laughs> he's right. Hey, Come gotta, on, Dale. I, I gave you a shout-out now. Even Dale's turned a little tough on us here in the Everybody post, uh, post-show. We need a, we yeah, need it's time to sign off. Yeah, it's been two weeks since we signed the number two player in the portal. We need a commitment here to get everybody happy. <laughs> All again. good, Dale. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jared. Be right, good. Everybody. Enjoy. I will. We'll see you. I will. See you guys all next week.